Reading this morning, Satan, from John's Gospel. It's John 21, reading from verse 1. Jesus later appeared to his disciples along the shore of Lake Tiberias. Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the brothers James and John were there, together with two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. The others said, we'll go with you. They went out in their boat, but they didn't catch a thing that night. Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize who he was. Jesus shouted, friends, have you caught anything? No, they answered. So he told them, let your net down on the right side of your boat and you'll catch some fish. They did. And the net was so full of fish that they couldn't drag it up into the boat. Jesus' favorite disciple told Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon heard it was the Lord, he put on the clothes he'd taken off while he was working. Then he jumped into the water. The boat was only about 100 meters from shore, so the other disciples stayed in the boat and dragged in the net full of fish. When the disciples got out of the boat... They saw some bread and a charcoal fire with some fish on it. Jesus told his disciples, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon Peter got back into the boat and dragged the net to shore. In it were 153 large fish, but the net did not rip. Jesus said, come and eat. But none of the disciples dared ask who he was. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus took the bread in his hands and gave it to some of his disciples. He did the same with the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. That was beautifully dramatic, wasn't it? It does deserve a clap, definitely, yeah. Thank you, Steve. So, how many fish? There's so many people that I've, um, I've known that have done talks on this passage, and they always like to focus on the amount of fish. And I was very tempted, because, you know, it's 153 fish, and there's a lot written on it, and it's a very mathematical talk, and I really like maths. And I thought, no, keep it to yourself, Sarah. No one cares. So I thought, we're not going to talk about how many fish, but it's a very nice picture, isn't it? So there we go. Um, so what we're actually talking about is what happens when we have shocking news. There you go. Our little Lego man, he's very shocked. So we kind of carry on as normal, don't we? we when something shocks us, when something maybe devastates us or maybe something even really good surprises us, we sort of try and carry on as normal. You remember that whole COVID thing? I know, long gone, isn't it? Of course, it's not around anymore. But you remember when that first came about, the reaction was like, oh, our our world has been turned upside down. And I looked this up and the amount of tea consumption doubled in that first lockdown. And I was like, that is the most British response to something, like, we'll just drink more tea, it'll be fine. But it's so what we do. That's, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? We pop the kettle on and we think, everything will be okay, it'll blow over. 
and we baked and we walked and we kept calm and carried on. Obviously a logo that's been around for a while now and it's still around. There's a good reason for it, I think. But when, when we have good news or bad news, this is so often how we react when it's like too much to process. It's really how we react. We try to find normality. And I think that that's what the disciples seem to be doing in this reading. Jesus has died, and the typical reaction to awful news, especially when somebody's died, I think, can be to try and find something normal. And so the disciples are trying to find their normal again. But then, of course, by the time this reading comes around, they actually know that he is risen. They've seen him before. In the previous chapter, Jesus actually commissioned them again. He said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. So to recap, the disciples have actually spent three whole years with Jesus. They've seen him doing miracles. They've seen him doing many, many wonderful things. They've learned so much from him. Then they've seen him crucified. And they know that he died. And then they've seen him resurrected. And then he's recommissioned them. But they're just, it's too much to process. You can imagine for them, this is so much to process. Oh my goodness, the shock of everything that's happened must be really hitting them. And they're probably wondering, well, how are we going to follow Jesus now? Because when he was on earth, when he was just normal alive, if you like, that's a quote. Um, When he was just normal alive, they could just physically follow him around. And it was quite, you know... It was obvious how to do it, wasn't it? But now he's resurrected and he's popping up all over the place and disappearing again. And they're thinking, well, how do we follow him now? They've got so much on their minds. And so I think they're just looking for something normal. So they go back fishing. They decide to go fishing. This is like their old life, isn't it? This is what they were doing before. They decide to go fishing. And I wonder if that's a processing thing because I think we do need normality especially in the face of something really shocking happening so I wonder if it's a processing thing are they just processing everything that's happened and they just need something a bit normal or is it is it a temptation to go back to what they knew before maybe it's a all of this stuff has happened and it all feels like a blur and it all feels so intense but let's forget all that and kind of retreat back. Let's go back to safety. There you go. There's my little kitten in safety. Is that what they're doing? And I think, I think we can all relate to that, kind of this retreating to safety feeling. I certainly can. When I, um, when I started thinking about doing this job, it, many years ago now, I guess. Um, oh, gosh. Maybe eight years ago. Um, I started the discernment process, which is what you have to do, and that can be any length of time. Um, And I started it in June 2014. And in September 2014, I left the discernment process because I was like, nah, I I don't want to do this. I I was utterly convinced God was calling me to this, and I thought, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do it, no. And I, I left again, and I was retreating. I was just going, no, I can't do that. It's too much to process. That can't be me. No way. And then in September 2015, I went back to it. Of course I did. But it's that feeling of wanting to retreat, wanting to go back to that safe place and going, no, I can't do it. (laughs) I'm sure we've all been there. I hope it's not just me. 
But here's the thing. I don't think that Jesus' call to us changes. When Jesus calls you, it doesn't change. And Jesus calls each of us to follow him. And that doesn't change. And I think sometimes he shows up to remind us which way we're going. And it can feel like our life is like this. It can feel so hectic and so messy. And you're going, oh my goodness, how on earth am I going to navigate that? But it's like Jesus sometimes just turns up and goes, oh, it's that road that you're on. That's the one. And you go, oh, okay. (laughs) That's how it feels. And with this reading, I think the fishermen had already seen Jesus do a miraculous catch of fish. It's recorded in in Luke, in chapter 5, early on. They see Jesus turn up and Jesus says, oh, cast your nets into the deeper water. And they say, well, we've been trying to catch fish all night. But they do it and they get this incredible haul of fish. So they've seen this exact thing before. In that account, it said it was so many fish that the nets began to break. And Jesus then tells them that they're going to be fishers of men in that passage. So he calls them to be fishers of men. And then we see in the reading we've just had, when Jesus is resurrected, they're overwhelmed, they're processing, they're maybe running away a little bit, maybe. But Jesus turns up. And he reminds them. It's like he's reminding them of this miracle that they've seen before. It's almost playful, actually, because it's this familiar story. And I I find resurrected Jesus quite playful, I think. (laughs) You know, popping up everywhere like he does. It seems playful to me, this repetition of something that's happened before. It's the same story. They cast their nets onto the other side and they find plenty of fish again. And this time, the disciples don't actually argue like they did in Luke 5. I think they must know straight away, although Jesus seems to look different in the resurrection appearances, it seems that they know it's him straight away. And this time, the net doesn't break. I wonder if there's something in that. I thought about doing a whole talk on that, and I didn't. But the net doesn't break in this one. It did in the first one. And I think maybe there's something about resurrection power in that, actually. But Jesus doesn't verbally say to them again. He doesn't say, you are to be fishers of men again. Because I think they've kind of got the point. I think they've already understand that Jesus has called them, that he's continuing to call them. And they're just needing processing time and maybe running away. But, so he doesn't verbally say it, but I think the whole action would remind them. And they're like, oh yeah, okay. But actually he reminds them to, he invites them, sorry, to rest, to eat, to hang out. They get to kind of chill out on the beach with this beautiful fire. They have bread, they have fish. So in the face of all of this mad stuff, Jesus finds almost this little spot of normality for them. He joins them in that normality and he says, come and have breakfast with me. And they sit together and they have this breakfast And they're reminded by seeing that familiar story. They're beginning to understand that their calling wasn't just while Jesus was walking around on the earth, but actually it's for the whole of their lives too. And that following Jesus is going to be a lifelong thing. But actually that chilling with friends is good too. Which is a very good lesson to learn. So he kind of recommissions. He affirms them in their calling. 
but it's not like a get on with it. It's not like a, oh my goodness, would you stop messing around fishing and just get on with it? It's not like that at all. He reaffirms them, and it's a beautiful thing. And then secondly, when they get to shore, it says, I love this, it says that Jesus has prepared bread, and he's got fish on the fire. Jesus already had fish. He didn't need 153 fish. He already had fish on the fire. And there's something that's deeply comforting about that. Because Jesus doesn't, in a sense, need our help. Jesus is very, very, very capable of achieving his own mission. Thank goodness. But he wants us to help. And actually, that completely takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Because how many of us go about our day-to-day lives thinking, oh my goodness, I am not a very good Christian. I'm, I'm rubbish at this. I'm rubbish at this. But actually, if Jesus doesn't need our help, he just wants it. It's like that image of, of baking with your mum. I remember for me, when I was little, my mum was always baking cakes and biscuits, and she would always ask me to help. I am sure that I was no help whatsoever. But I loved it, and my mum loved it. And we had a great time. And I think it's that image. It's that image. Jesus invites us to join in with him, and he wants us to. And it means it's okay if we mess up. If Peter hadn't caught any fish, well, no biggie, because Jesus already had it covered, didn't he? It would have been okay. But that he had meant that they could cook fish together. So Jesus reaffirms them in their calling while they're in turmoil. He builds in normality, allowing space for all that they needed, and he invites them to join him on that mission and lets them know it's okay if they mess up, lets them know it's already covered. And so I wonder for us today, maybe there's people here that feel like they're in turmoil, And actually, you just need some normality. That's okay. My notes say Jesus is the king of normality. (laughs) It's weird, isn't it? (laughs) But it's true. Like, Jesus is all for some normality in your life. If that's what you need, that is okay. Or maybe you're here today and you know that you're actually hiding from what God's calling you to. Maybe you feel that. And you know that you're just going, oh, I can't, not at the moment. And you're just hiding. And maybe that is okay for a period of time. But Jesus today reaffirms that call, reaffirms that you are called to follow him. And you know what? If you mess up, it's okay. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are with us. We thank you that... When we mess up, it's okay that you've got it. Jesus, we thank you that you call us to follow you. You call us to follow you in the hard times and in the easier times. We thank you for how you make allowances for us. And you always care for us. Amen.